Foo. Welcome back to another episode of the FPL Draft Duo podcast with myself, Nosey, and my co-host, Jaxie. We are the only FPL Draft Duo that you need for anything FPL Draft mode. We are going to continue our series in a similar layout. We're going to talk about the game week as a whole and key points that we took from it, our waivers, how they went, our predicted waivers. Our own game week, how it went in the T12 and the content creators. We're going to look at some psychology and some tips and tricks based on the last two game weeks. We're also then going to look at some trades that you have sent in, some possible targets that you might want to trade or get into your team yourself, update our watch list, and then give our usual weekly waiver suggestions. Before we begin, uh, we'll announce this week's sponsor. So this week's podcast is sponsored by Adam Hickey Tax Returns, the only man you need to get all your legit tax returns done. Hopefully, he's a little bit better at doing tax returns than he is at trading in fancy football. Because if he isn't, then uh, you're all fucked. And, uh, <laughs> the tax man's going to be on to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, he's a little bit better and uh, you'll, you'll get that done. So shout out to, uh, to Adam Hickey for, for all your needs. We're going to talk about Adam Hickey and what he has caused in the T12 Draft League this week. Just a couple of pointers that we saw throughout the game week which might influence some decisions in the future. Saka didn't take a penalty for Arsenal. They said Odegaard took them in training and Arteta had no idea that Odegaard was going to step up. No way. Yeah, so something to monitor. And there was five red cards this weekend, which was a lot in the Premier League. Yeah. So this could be something that might come into play later on or throughout the whole season. Is there more red cards going to be given because of VAR? Are they coming down on harsh challenges? Yeah. The McAllister one seemed fairly harsh and he looked at VAR, didn't he? And, yeah. and got and still went for the red card. So we're going to link that in with a particular player, Douglas Luis, in a while and see how that might influence other defensive midfielders throughout the season or any player for that matter. Yeah, with VAR as well, there's been a lot of penalties already as well because of VAR and some we thought should have been given as well. It's true, yeah. But they didn't go back and give it. Like, Slanky should have got a penalty given, but Vare didn't even check it. Yeah, and there was another handball that wasn't given, or the United handball wasn't given. So, it's again, it's Vare, it's up in the air. We don't know what's happened with it, but just based on last week, five red cards seemed like, hold on, maybe they're trying to put something out here. Maybe the, the referees yeah. have been given instructions to be a bit harsher. The West Ham red card, though, that was fair, fairly given. I didn't see it. Yeah, he came in very late. It was okay. So yeah, that's fair enough. Much, like, yeah. yeah. Um, Watkins also didn't take a penalty. So Watkins, when I saw the penalty given, I thought he'd just step up. Yeah. Douglas Luis, as we mentioned already, took it. More on him later. Will he keep taking them? Is there another person that might take them apart from Watkins? Yeah. Before, after Douglas Luis hit the penalty, the commentator came out and said that Douglas Luis and John McGinn were both practicing penalties during the week. So. Never know. Could see John McGinn there as well. So I'd say that's another thing to monitor is the Villa penalties. As I said, I find it hard to believe that Watkins will be third on the list for Villa to take penalties. Maybe that Douglas Luis was just a random one. I would hold off on Douglas Luis until I see him take another penalty. In terms of United, we will answer some questions on United players later and whether you should hold them or what you should do with them or where they're going. 
Another key point was Liverpool looked leaky enough. Bournemouth looked like a decent side. There's one or two more players that are popping up for Bournemouth that might be possible waiver picks or might be possible trade value in the future. So there are the key points. The rest of the games went fairly as expected. Yeah, Newcastle with a lot of rotation again. Yeah, and only lost 1-0 to City. They looked tight enough. Sheffield, nothing going for them. City... Um, Spurs looked decent. Spurs look very good. United we'll talk about them. Poor, United are very poor. We'll talk about Spurs and their assets in the waiver section. First, as we said, we're going to kick it off with our waiver results. So recap on the players that we suggest that you should bring in for game week two. We had a couple of suggestions. Some good, some okay, some not great. <laughs> we'll start off with the good ones. We Our top, top target was Rico Henry. Rico Henry, thank God, returned with a five-pointer. Unfortunately, got a yellow card, mm. but locked in a clean sheet. We also kind of said that if you don't have Henry, a good replacement would be Pinnock or Collins. I personally got Collins myself. He got me a six-pointer. Pinnock, I was playing against Pinnock, who was brought in as well. He got a seven-pointer. He got one bonus. So Brentford defenders, they were good last week, and they also have some good up-and-coming fixtures. So if you got them, fair play. They're probably a hold for the foreseeable future. Yeah, Rico Henry has some very high trading value now as well. So if you do have him, yeah, I would be holding on to him right mm. now. But his trading value has just gone up even more. So he's he he isn't up as high as a stupid end, but he is he is quite highly they're, rated. They're up climbing there. up, yeah. And especially when a player is talked about a lot in normal FPL, that kind of heightens his value in yeah. the draft as well. Rico Henry's got a price increase in normal fantasy, so that might get a lot of players onto him even though there's a lot of other players that are worth more than him in normal. But when we look at the draft, we kind of look at them and compare them to normal. So Rico Henry's on a lot of people's lips, especially after last game week as well. For our other suggestions, we said um, Pau Torres or Konza. So any Villa defender, really. We, we knew that they had a poor game week in game week one, but... They came back strong. Mm. In, they had a poor result, but they yeah. played well. Yeah, and they were likely for um, a clean sheet. So, thankfully, both of them got a clean sheet, as well as Matty Cash and obviously Lucas Digne. Um, Digne got um bonus as well. We'll have a whole section on that fella in a while. We said that Matty Cash, we'd want to monitor him because he played poorly in game week one, and we were wondering would he get a start. He did. Played well, I'd say he's back in there as mm-hmm. the first choice right back. Did he get a yellow card? No, no, no yellow card for, can, for cash. Or other two, kind of divided into good, medium and poor. So Gordon, we said get him in because he's a great player. I know Newcastle had some poor fixtures, but when we say a player like that, when we say like a Gordon, you want him for a long term, you want him as a good waiver pick that he probably won't be on the waiver for the rest of the year so you want to get him into your team and off the waiver and then you can decide what you do with him you can trade him if you want if you really want you can put him back on the waiver but um, I think in a couple of game weeks time as we'll talk about for Newcastle he could be a lot higher than he seemed last week so if you got him in I'd say hold definitely because Newcastle's first couple of fixtures they're probably they're, they're probably the toughest fixture out of any team first few so if you do have him now hold on to him for just a little bit longer and um, yeah and, and monitor and him. monitor him yeah the other one we had was Morris for Luton now they didn't have a fixture this week so again just monitor him if you got him in on the waiver good he's going to be a starting uh, forward 
they have some okay fixtures coming up in a while and you can really assess how he's going to play if, if Luton are any good at all. We'll talk about the information that we have to us after game after two game weeks in a while. And it's all about monitoring and, and, and evaluating where you think them players are going to be valued in a couple of weeks' yeah. time. We've seen a lot of penalties over the weekend. And we know Morris is on penalties for Luton, so... That's nearly a cert, but no penalty taker is a cert these days. <laughs> um, or other suggestion was Emerson Royale. Now, we could talk all day about... Spurs and United, and especially Emerson Royale, we said that he was kind of a, the right back that looked really good for Spurs. But Ange came out and said that he wants to give everyone a go. So Porro yeah. started, and it was a bit of a shock. But the thing is, Porro played extremely well. Yeah, he was fantastic. And Skip, who played all preseason, scored two goals against Barcelona in preseason, gets dropped for Sar. Sarah had a fantastic game. Yeah, as did Basuma. So, although we'd like to say, oh, Porro will definitely be the starting right back now. Well, is it a case like with United where we have Dallow and Wambasaka, two good right backs, and Ange decides I need Emerson for this game, Porro for this game? So, although I'm getting in Porro, hopefully, on the waiver this week, um, I would be monitoring t- and seeing does Emerson Royal get a random start? Mm-hmm. The issue with the both of these are both good, they're both very attacking, but the problem is that they could be subbed on. So although you say, okay, Emerson didn't play grand, my sub will come in. Well, if Emerson gets a one-pointer, let's say for this week against Bournemouth, you think he might start again, or you think Paro might start, and he's just brought on. Well, what's looked like a great fixture and a high return, or not playing at all and getting your sub in could be yeah. a one-pointer so there's a small bit of risk there I'd still like to think I know I said it after last week but Paro looks a small bit more likely to start I find it hard for Ange to drop him but I said that about Royale yeah, so I'd be monitoring both them with some good fixtures coming up the upside like both of them they're both quite attacking if Emerson does play I think he is liable to get a yellow card as well over Paro so yeah, maybe that might be the side. In fact, I'd, I'd like to be leaning towards Paro now after the, you know, the performance against United. He should have got a goal, smashed the crossbar. Yeah. So both of them very attacking and could share minutes over the season unless we see a, a common trend. Our other one then was Alanga. Alanga, we said, was going to be a punt this week that if he starts against Sheffield, he could have a high, high up ceiling. Mm. He ended up not starting. So that gives us more information that... Um, I was going to say Michael Van Gerwen because I said MG, MGW. <laughs> um, Morgan Gibbs-White and Johnson look like they're going to play behind Awone, who, again, we talked about as a prime Lukaku. He showed it again this week with the header. So Awone, high on our list. I'm sure he's taken in most leagues, but if you could trade for him. He's on, what, five five games in a row he scored in? Five or six. Five or six five, games in a row. That's including last season yeah. as well. So he looks like a really good pick depending on Forest fixtures. Forrest actually look a bit better than they seem on paper. When you look at Forrest, you think an easy fixture. But I'd like to be starting a one in most games. Because yeah. he, he looks like he could be dangerous no matter who he plays. But yeah, one a good pick as well. Our other pick then, which we called the... What's it called? Punt. Punt, not the punt. After the waiver. The free agent. Free agent. So we're going to release maybe one or two players on the free agent late after the, the waiver has finished that will probably be probably be available in most leagues no matter what size 
so that if you have an injured player and you just need someone to start, that they might be good for just that week. Unfortunately, just before the game we started, Aina came through with an injury and I think he's now at 50%, he was 75, so unfortunate that he didn't, we didn't even get to see him. Yeah. I would have liked to see seen how he got on. Um, if you went for Aurier, he got two assists. Yeah. So I, I'm skeptical of Aurier because he's prone to a yellow card, but he was a fantastic pick. So yeah. this is the type of players you have to be and targeting for one game with. Yeah. I only, his header was very good. He does look very good in the air, and Serge Aurier, He's good to get forward, good to whip balls yeah. in. So, Aurier could be another one to keep your eyes on. Keep an eye on, yeah. It's just totally down to the fixtures. They didn't keep a clean sheet. Yeah. Even against Sheffield, I know that there was a bit of a worldie. But, if he's getting forward and a one, he starts to play very well. If Aina comes back or Aurier is there as a, as a wing back, they could be good for assists. But we'll monitor it. Yeah. So, overall, uh, more right than wrong, yeah, thank more. God. <laughs> And we'll talk about what we look at when we look at, at waivers. Uh, this, these are suggestions. We base them off three main factors. Stats. How they're getting on and how their team is performing attacking and defensively. The eye test, which we watch most games, um, if not extended highlights of most games, and where the players are in the pitch, on the pitch, in terms of positions. And then also fixtures. So that would be kind of the number one for me. I really don't care how a player is playing ultimately as long as they're getting forward or as long as they're playing on the pitch and they have a good fixture, anyone is liable to return. So players like this we're going to monitor. It might be a ridiculous suggestion, you might think, but just for that game week they could be one of the best picks. Mm. So someone like an Aurier and Aina, one week punts like a Langa, see does it work. If it doesn't work out, you can throw them back on the way, but that's the beauty of it. A quick game week review in terms of our own FPL journeys. We got, unfortunately, a loss in the content creators draft league, mainly because of Liverpool being poured, Gakpo and Kanate, no clean sheet, and we had two Newcastle players against City, so we got very, very little returns. But we're going to talk about it in a section later. Don't panic. Don't panic if you've had a bad game week this week because there was a lot of tough fixtures. Myself, I got a poor loss in the T12 as well. It's going to come into the don't panic section as well, where I'm probably trying to convince myself <laughs> not to panic because I'm looking at my team and like, oh, I wish I picked this person in the draft. And you can't look back, you can't change the draft night, you can only look forward and I suppose use the waivers and trades to try and get the best team possible. I suppose myself, I got a close win. My team didn't return too well, like the likes of Saka. Uh, Bowen Callum Wilson they're the three players that I have they're like three of my first couple of picks mm -hmm. they're the ones that didn't return for me so I got the win from Saliba and Astupinan so two defenders uh, getting clean well Astupinan got an assist got an, Astupinan got an assist and he got bonus so that's where I got the points and that's where I got the win from so I suppose that does emphasise the fact that defenders are so key for, for getting wins and the thing about the draft is that if a team has a clean sheet and there's four defenders. Someone around the league is going to have them defenders. Mm. In normal fantasy, if you like, who has um, apart from let's say a cash or whoever in the villa, who's going to actually have Konza in their team? But in the draft, someone's going to have Konza. Someone's going to have Pautara. Someone's going to have Digna. So when a team gets a clean sheet, there's four players usually that will get a clean sheet with them, and they're going to be spread out throughout the league. 
So the, if there's five clean sheets in a game, five of the games get clean sheets, that's a load of players that have got points and returns. If we look at the amount of goals that were scored over the weekend, how many strikers or midfield actually returned that maybe would have been back to normal FPL, whereas when you're using the draft, defenders, everyone has to have them. So there's going to be returns and it could be the winning and losing of a game week. We have a few shout-outs as well from the T12 Draft League. So in my draft, I have to shout-out Jared Perry. So Jared Perry, on paper, looked like he had a fantastic team. But in reality, it returned only 10 points for him. He had four Chelsea players and the four Chelsea players returned three points for him in total. So he Chilwell, Thiago Silva... Enzo Fernandez and Jackson. So Enzo missed a penalty and Chelsea all conceded as well. He had two United players as well, Lissandra Martinez and Christian Eriksen. So Lissandra Martinez scored an own goal. So on paper you think, yeah, they seem Chelsea assets. Chelsea had a good fixtures. Jackson up top as well. It's nearly a search. Onana in goals as well. And then he ends up getting 10 points. So this one just stood out to me because... I've never seen 10 points before. Never seen 10 points before. With a team that good. Yeah. I, I've, I haven't even seen 10 points off players that have, at the end of the season, stopped playing their five injuries. You get 10 points nearly guaranteed. So this just shows that you can have a great team on paper and you can be very happy going into the game week and it just doesn't perform. That's just that's just the... Yeah. That's the just player, FPL. <laughs> the player that got the most returns on Jared's team was Rodri. Rodri. <laughs> With three points. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Right, the second shout-out, and not only a shout-out, he's going to take up a whole section of our podcast, is you Adam You can do Hickey. a full podcast, Adam, I'd say. Yeah, Adam Hickey. We gave him a shout-out as the sponsor, but he caused chaos in one of the leagues, and we're going to use his overall action as a topic. And I said, don't panic. Don't panic. It's game week two. If your team isn't looking like you want it to, like my own, don't panic. There is going to be, first of all, loads of players in the next week that come into the league. There's going to be waivers. There's going to be trades over the line. Players are going to get injured and players are going to start performing. Mm. When we look at the statistics, we have two game weeks of information to go off. Pre-season, yeah, we went off information, but that's practically out the window. Yeah, We have two game weeks of information. So game week two had 100% more information than game week one. Next week, we're going to have 50% more than game week one and two. So I put it to Jaxie like, if you had a deal, a business deal, or a house, buying a house, or buying anything, and someone said to me, right, you can risk taking something now, for example, a trade, which we'll talk about, you can risk taking that trade now, or in one week time, I'm going to give you 50% more information about the trade. You're obviously going to wait and see well, you don't want to take it too early and, and then be stuck in the mud. You're going to wait a week and get 50% more information about how that deal is going to go and whether you're on the right side or the wrong side. So don't be jumping the gun with trades. Yeah. And I think that's what Hickey did. Hickey, this is the trade. Rashford plus Grealish, who Hickey was giving away, for Bailey and Kulisevsky. Now, this caused uproar because people thought he was cheating or giving his players away to someone else, or I, I, there just was uproar. Which, when I saw the trade, I saw a load of messages, and I saw the trade, and I'm like, this is a ridiculous trade. Mm. 
what he thought was a rational trade was probably the most irrational thing that you could do. It's just jumping the gun. The game week, did it even finish? Or was it's it like I, I actually think it was before the Arsenal Palace game. Yeah. yeah, just before the game week finished, and that's when your thoughts are going ninety. 90 yeah. You can't think straight because you haven't even let the game week settle. Yeah, to, to think about it, and then you go do something. <laughs> Do something rashy. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, you know what it's like when players return or don't return, you're upset with them. Like, I'm upset with Eze this week, but next week he bangs. I'm like, oh, what a great pick. I'm delighted with him. I wouldn't trade him for the person I was going to trade him with. Now, I'm not saying to not trade early. We'll talk about values and how it increases and decreases. But, like, let's say for Rashford, he's playing Nottingham Forest. He's starting. Grealish gets the start for City. Bailey returned well for Villa and I think is a good pick in the future but he looks he looks pretty good he looks pretty good but Kulisevsky could Spurs could buy someone over the whole course of the season you're nearly guaranteed that Rashi and Grealish are going to outscore them too yeah it, it, it's it's been two game weeks there's 16 16 more in the T12 draft league what he's in mm-hmm. and I, I was thinking about this when we talked about trades and Jota was mentioned in trades before the draft, I didn't want to touch Jota because I didn't know if he was starting or not. And after two game weeks, I'd love Jota because he looks like one of our, or I was going to say Arsenal's, Liverpool's best attackers and he looks a bit more nailed than I thought he would be. That's only after two game weeks. Two more game weeks, he could be out of the team. So, same way for Rashi and Grealish. Before the season, if you had told me that someone would offer that, I'd say that they are cheating, that there's something wrong here or maybe... Rashford's got injured or Grealish got injured that's the only way I could see that trade happening prior they're, to the game they're two first round picks exactly they, for I, Bailey and Kulusevsky who beat oh, sure fifth, sixth oh yeah someone put in the draft rank or when they were picked and they added them up and like Rashford plus Grealish would probably equal Kulusevsky's draft pick if yeah. you, if you yeah. get what I'm saying yeah, yeah. so the only way I could have seen that happening prior to game week one would be that if Rashford was injured now for the season and they were given Grealish and an injured Rashford for Bailey and Kulisewski. Now, in three game weeks' time, Bailey could be nailed on, he could be playing extremely well, and it look looks more one-sided. But this is a point on the commissioner. And a lot of people were having a bit of an uproar, saying, like, well, why is there a commissioner? What's the point of it if, if this is going to happen? Now, two people can really want a trade to happen. And if I was on the Bailey Kulisevsky side, I'd be fairly thick that everyone's going mad saying, well, you shouldn't give that, you shouldn't give that. And if I'm Adam Hickey and I want Bailey and Kulisevsky, who should stop me? But it's just the fact that it's so one-sided currently, or the idea that it's one-sided, and the fact that people didn't know each other. So they're like, well, is there some sort of dodging going on? The two boys didn't know each other. Um, I think after all the... The only thing looking at that now is... Spurs is next. Spurs look good at the weekend. Their back seven looked good. Mm-hmm. Richarlison, Kulisevsky and Son, they they didn't win the game for Spurs. It was the rest of the team that won it. But Spurs' next three fixtures are Bournemouth, Burnley and Sheffield. So that's the only thing that I can see from that perspective. From, from that perspective is Spurs are playing well. They have three good fixtures. But Kulisevsky isn't, isn't playing well. So yeah, maybe and, he and might get on the end of something in the next three games, but it's I don't think that I don't think that's enough even to outweigh. Yeah, the, the, and again the, the upside of Rashford the potential and of Rashford and Grealish in the future. Who could you get if Rashford bangs next week against Nottingham Forest and Grealish starts again? 
who could you actually get for them two players in the league? You get a lot more than Bailey and Kulisevsky. So do not jump the gun. Players' values rise and drop every week. So only after like five, six, seven, eight game weeks can we get kind of a truer value of the player. One person we have, which we're going to talk about on our watch list that both of us own, uh, is in, in CISO. And after game week one, I didn't want to ever see NCISO again because I started him and he came on for like five minutes. And this week he banged two assists and could start. So he had just gone from zero to hero, literally. And next week, if he starts again and gets a, um, a return, I'd either want to keep him or trade him for someone good. But after game week one, I would have possibly put him on the waiver. So take your time, especially in the first few game weeks. See how it fares out especially the people that are up the top of the pile in terms of transactions like Wissa is the top striker but are you going to trade a Haaland for a Wissa? No you're not but the person that's owning Wissa will have him way higher, valued way higher than they are probably now. Now we'll talk about Wissa and his underlying numbers in a while but let's say Solly March is one of the top score midfielders, are you going to trade Saka for Solly March? No you're not so you're don't right. just go off the first two game weeks and the value of that. Wait a while if you are unsure about a player. If you're not unsure about a player, if you really want to get rid of him, you can put him on the waiver. If you think he's not playing and he's just not a good pick, don't be holding on to him just because we said, oh, see what happens, see what happens. Mm. He can be a waiver if you want to. He can be someone that you can get in for a playing midfielder, no problem. But if you see someone that's kind of like not playing well but still playing 90 minutes and you think that I want to get rid of him but I, I really liked him at the start and you want to get rid of him r- really quickly that's when you should t- kind of stop and assess like a, again a Rashford played poor in the first two game weeks so did United that doesn't mean that you get rid of him straight away if you do want to get rid of a player though and he is quite valuable you could get a trade over the line for that player as opposed to putting him on the waiver mm-hmm. you're getting a waiver player but if you try to trade him first in the first instance you could get a more valuable player that you actually really want as opposed to looking for some scraps that are on the, the Definitely, waiver. definitely. And as the season progresses, and this is why it's a kind of conflicting point again, as the season progresses, we get truer values of players. So players that you might think are good now mightn't be picks at all in a couple of weeks. And the waiver will get thinner and thinner. So now is a good time to pick up players from the waiver if you have the option. That being said, if it's a, like an NCSO that you don't really you don't really want to put on the waiver and not many people are trading for him, that's someone I'd hold. That's why I didn't get rid of NCSO game week one, because I said, well, the option is put him on the waiver, get someone average, keep him one more game week and see what happens. And he got two assists, seven pointer, and now it's a totally different ball game. So players' yeah. values rise and drop every week all throughout the season and it's just about picking that right time try and get in someone before someone thinks they're too valuable and trying to get them in before that Chelsea is a prime example now that don't panic and give massive players away for Chelsea players because they have some good run of fixtures they still haven't played that well so although you might want to trade everything because they play Luton what happens if Chelsea draw with Luton 1-1 and Jackson doesn't get play well and Chilwell doesn't keep a clean sheet. Are you want to? Ha- did, are you happy to give a Trent for a Chilwell then, or something like that? Are you happy to give a really top class striker away for Jackson and Chelsea go and buy someone? So just be cautious, be patient. 
I also have down there, don't get too confident and just believe it and think that all is going to go well because there could be injuries in the future. Just on in CISO, I know you have him on your bench. You started him the week before. I the same, I'm in the same situation. In CISO could, I don't know, he's breaking my heart already. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, will I start him next week and then he mightn't play? Or if I bench him, and he gets he, returns. And he will get returns. So it's players like that. They're they're kind of the ones that would give you headaches. And yeah, that's why I kind of like to look to trade in, in CISO because I'm like, right, if someone else thinks he's valuable, but I'm not sure that I'm going to start him every week, maybe he's better off with someone else. Yeah, I think there's too much decisions around in CISO. The easiest thing would be to trade him now because he's after getting two assists. He's of higher trade value and you can get someone that's playing more consistently. On the contrary, I'm going to keep Nciso because I think he might start again and if he gets another return, I think I might want to keep him because I had a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a love for him. I thought he might be a good pick at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can look at it many different ways. Coming on to our latter part of the podcast where we give recommendations on trades, possible targets, watch list and our waivers. We've been sent in a good few trades over the week. We're going to give a brief overview of what we would do. First one was a Stupinan or Chilwell for Trent. I'm just going to give my two cents. I'd rather a Stupinan or Chilwell for Trent right now. As I said, Liverpool look a small bit leaky at the back. Trent doesn't look like he's going to get forward as much as the other two so far. Um, I just like the other two as well. So it's about who you like and... and and what you think is going to reap over the next five, six, seven game weeks. Yeah, especially Estupinan and uh, Brighton are playing West Ham next week. Um, so I would fancy having Estupinan for that game as opposed to Liverpool are playing Newcastle, Newcastle. next week. So, so yeah. um, away to Newcastle as well. So I wouldn't be, that, uh, I wouldn't that be, be jumping the gun that being that said, just yet. That being said, at the start of the season, you take Trent over the two of them. So monitor it. Personally, I'd, be, I'd want... I don't know. I just really like Chilwell myself. Dave Luton, yeah, Forrest, and Bournemouth. He next did get three. whipped at sixty something minutes this week. I don't think that's going to be an issue, but um, it's whatever you think. I would personally be keeping Chilwell or Stupinan for Trent currently, uh, but that can yeah. change in two or three game weeks' time if Trent starts getting forward and Liverpool start changing formation. Next one was Eze for Jota. Again, at the start of the season, I would prefer Eze over Jota because he's more nailed. We know Eze is nailed. Palace don't look too great, especially without uh, Olise and Zaha. Is is the main man, but playing slightly deeper. Giotta had the best underlying numbers for Liverpool against Bournemouth. He had four shots in the box. I think he's slightly more nailed than the other kind of attackers apart from Salah right now. Gakpo got whipped at like 62. Yeah, Luis Gakpo Diaz hasn't looked, been looking. No, hasn't been looking great. Um, it's uh, sorry. Who's the Luis Diaz, Luis Diaz looks very good, so it could be. Your consistent top three could be Luis Diaz, Jota, and then Salah. So I would personally be taking Jota over Eze there. I'd lo- I have Eze. I'd love Jota over him. Yeah, like Darwin Nunes before, he was a first-round pick, and now you're nobody. Nobody's looking at Darwin. Yeah, yeah. No one's. Looking, you just really wanted a striker, so you'd pick Darwin. Now, <laughs> now you'd be better him. off having Morris over Darwin. Honestly, yeah, because you've got a playing striker. You know, there's the problem with a striker that might get some minutes is. Well, he has to score in them minutes. A striker that plays 90 minutes, as we said, with penalties, such a bonus. Could be the 95th minute, 5-0 down, they get a penalty and he gets some, gets some points. Yeah. 
a lot of people asked about United players. What do you do with them? Stick or twist? So, for me, I'd definitely be sticking with the likes of big players like Rashford and, and Bruno. Rashford, I think, is overvalued at the minute as well. So that if you wanted to get Rashford in, you'd have to give a lot for him. And it just mightn't work out in the long term, depending on who you're trading for. I definitely, for Nottingham Forest, be keeping Rashford. Bruno has the best underlying uh, numbers that that hasn't returned as a midfielder. He is 2.1 expected goal involvements outside penalties and has not not returned yet. So Bruno, I think, is a, a definite hold. Only problem with Bruno is that he's a whore for yellow cards. So it's he either hauls or might get a one or two pointer. I'd be sticking. If you're looking at the other Manchester United assets, so Sancho, Anthony, Garnacho. You want to talk about them? Like, Anthony. I'd be sticking away. I wouldn't want any of them in my team. No, I have have Sancho, man. I wavered in Sancho because I thought he might start. I'm going to keep Sancho this week. Well, this is the thing about a fixture. For this week alone, Sancho might be a decent pick. And I think Garnacho might be decent as well against Forrest. Like, they could return. But after that, I don't want Sancho. Even if Sancho returns against Forrest, I don't want him. But the problem is... Not a problem. Good thing is that someone else might want him just for this game week if they think he's going to start because the other two were very poor. He, you might get like... I was looking at like a suit check for him. I'd be delighted with a Sancho against Forrest for a suit check. Long-term kind of consistent hold. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about it. So, um, for the United boys, I'd be probably sticking, especially for Forrest, even though their t- trade value is very high right now. I think over the course of the season, their like, XG will... Now, United have been very poor. I think their XG will kind of uh, level out and they'll be good enough picks. But it depends who you're getting for them. In terms of our targets, so players that you could target for trades, because we we haven't mentioned them and we didn't mention about possible trades last week. Players that might be undervalued, but look like they could be good in the future. I said Morgan Gibbs-White looks fantastic for Forrest. He hasn't returned yet. But he looks like he's always in and around the box. Yeah. If if someone doesn't want him and thinks, oh, he plays for Forest, I'd be happy to give someone for him. I even I even offered this might be a ridiculous trade after the week. Eze versus for for um, Morgan Gibbs White. I just think Morgan Gibbs White. I think he's on penalties as well as is Eze. I just think he's a very very good player, especially mm-hmm. a Warney playing well. I think he could be someone to target. Yeah, Sterling. Then I. I watched the Chelsea game. Sterling had glimpses of prime Sterling when he was playing with City. Mm. He looked really, really good. And I think he's nailed. Yeah. He's Which I didn't think I'd be saying this this year. And he could be benched next week. But I think Sterling is as nailed as he's going to be so far. And because he played well, it's not just putting him in there because he's Sterling. I think last year he actually got more minutes because he was Sterling than... He deserved. He deserved, yeah. Whereas this season, he's actually playing a bit better, possibly on pens. After Enzo, this is just a prediction, Enzo missed his. So what do you do? Sterling t- took pens for City. I know he wasn't the best at them. Rhys James isn't there. Is Jackson going to take them? He didn't take it over Enzo. Yeah. So is, could Sterling possibly be a, 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 cont- a contender for penalties? I'd be luck- I'd be like to get Sterling in, but don't give too much away. I was offered Sterling... And Martinez for United for Robertson and Eze. If I had a better defender, I don't think, as I said, Robertson is as good as I thought he'd be. 
but if I had a better defender there, I can definitely consider that trade. Because, as I said, Chelsea fixtures are good. Two players that one has looked very good without returning, the other has unbelievable underlying stats and returned well. Diaby for Villa, we've watched him on two occasions and he looks like probably Villa's best player. Mm. Always in and around. Every time Villa scored, we're like looking at each other like, was, was that Diaby? Because he either set it up or was in and around it. So I think, I know he got rotated. Coutinho is now injured. So himself, Bailey, probably more nailed and Villa look good going forward. Yeah, and Diaby looks more like scoring than Watkins does. Like Watkins yeah. does get in and around it, but... He doesn't look like he's going to be scoring. Yeah. He does all the dog work, does all the dirty work, and Diaby just seems to be on the end of it. Just hasn't, yeah. hasn't got, hasn't clicked with him, one hundred percent yet. But it will. It will. Sorry, yeah. Diaby scored in the first game week. I said he hasn't returned yet. Diaby yeah. scored in the first game week. Yeah. Scratch that. Um, <laughs> but the last day he didn't. Yeah, he didn't return. No, sorry. Um, Wissa has the best underlying stats for any striker of the Premier League so far, which is, I never thought I'd say that sentence. Wissa, who was a bit of a meme last, meme, last yeah. year. And like, oh, I'll bring in Wissa and people would laugh. Yeah. And they were dead right to laugh back yeah. then. But now he's, he's he, balling. And uh, apparently um, he was backed big time um, by the manager saying that like when Tony went that, well, we knew we had Wissa and we had Mbwemo there. So, like, yeah. I, I, again, I'd like to bring him in in normal and in draft, but just be careful of who you're trading for him. He is the highest scoring striker right now but you wouldn't give Haaland for Wissa so Wissa for a player like Wissa I'm hoping he doesn't return in the next two game weeks and then someone's like oh, I want to get rid of him and I'll say perfect I'll take him off you yeah. so just wait till the kind of um, dust settles and the kind of idea that he's going to be the best striker in the Premier League settles a small bit more our updated watch list we had a long watch list last week and some of them actually returned well but we usually say our watch list is someone that we're going to monitor yeah. So we have a couple of just keep keep our eyes on these over the next couple of mm. games. We won't be won't be necessarily bringing them in straight away, but we'll keep a close eye on them, see how they're getting on. Um, they're on the fringes. They're on the fringes, and they might have some good game weeks coming up. They might have got a start recently that might get them in the team. So we'll go through them. Uh, Hall it's just, is just, it's just ex- ex- extra news. Extra news has come about since mm-hmm. last game week, and like we wouldn't we. One player in particular I'm looking at here would not have been looking at him in a million Dan years. Dan Juma, is it? Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't, Dan Juma for Everton wouldn't have looked at him at all, but only because DCL came off with an injury. Dan and Juma came on and he looked... The big. best Everton player. No, yeah. that's not hard, but he looked like the best Everton player. Yeah, he looked... No one else looks like scoring, only Dan Juma. So, he's one of the lists. Yeah, Everton have Sheffield in two game weeks' time and... We have Young down as well for Everton. If they don't keep a clean sheet, then they won't. Now, they're playing Wolves next week. Sorry, at home. If they don't score, that'll be three games in a row without scoring and not scoring at home. So, if they don't score in the next two game weeks, they we put them down for relegation in a particular uh, video. If they don't score in the first five game weeks, they are number one contenders. Yeah. So you may be looking at getting rid of Pickford as well if you have him. Hundred percent. Yeah. If uh, tra- but no one's going to trade for him, so I'd be looking at even if I don't know. I don't want to talk about Pickford. Hate him. Um, <laughs> Paqueta took a penalty for West Ham. He is also there's a group of players for West Ham that are now in the mix because of Jimmy Ward-Prowse. <laughs> He was on one of my waivers last week, but I just don't, didn't know if I wanted him. I've had him in previous years. His ball is oh, he's so good. He's so good. He is unbelievable. 
his his corners were like free kicks from five yards outside the box. They were just whipped in, pitch perfect, and West Ham have the players to get on the end of them as well. West Ham are that type of team where they actually target set pieces, and now they have someone to do that. So I mentioned Suchek earlier on. Suchek, two, three seasons ago, was a fantastic pick, banging headers and banging goals. Is that going to be the case again now that James Ward-Prowse is back and he can whip in balls? Yeah. I would actually be low. I'd love Suchek in my team for you know as a fourth or fifth midfielder to keep there, play him no matter what, and see does James Ward-Prowse whip in a corner or a free kick to him? Like Antonio is there as well. He seems fairly nailed. I have Mubama in my team just because Mubama played a lot in preseason, but it looks like Antonio is the nail down striker. And yeah, because uh, because of James Ward-Prowse. They're all options now. They're all, yeah. And Paqueta, a big lad as well. Yeah, yeah. They're all going up in value. Yeah. Um, a couple of more players. We said Hall for Newcastle. Monitor him. Will he get in? Will he play? Good attacking player. Lewis, sorry, Douglas Luis on pens. We talked about him at the, talked about him at the start. If he's on pens consistently, yeah, he could be a player that you just leave there and hope he gets a pen. But if he's not on pens, he is a yellow card merchant. Now, I know he actually had a decent season last year in terms of returns, like under the radar, but I would be very reluctant to have him in my team just because if he's not on a pen and next week he doesn't take pens, well, then that changes him to a total waiver pick. So I'd just monitor it. If he takes another penalty next game week and like Ollie Watkins is always in there. Who have Villa next week? Villa had Burnley. Burnley. So maybe he'd want to look at him as a attacking potential, but I just monitor him. If he starts to play well and maybe gets more advanced, could be an option and will be on most waivers. I just wouldn't be getting too excited just because he scored in the first game week. I think that's what happened with, if you look at all the defenders that were taken early last week, De, De Sassi, no clean sheet, um, will Chelsea go to a back four? Will, uh, who else was there? Gusto went because Reese James was gone, a lot of people yeah. got Gusto in and he got one point. I now think. in the long term, I think both of them will be okay. But another player that went early was Wan-Bissaka because he got a great return. Like Wan-Bissaka, again, they, they lost 2-0. Will he actually be rotated for Dallow? So all these players that look fantastic after one game week now look totally different after two. So what players will we be talking about that will be totally different in game week three? So these why, this is why we have to have the watch list. Just monitor these. Um, Shade from Brentford was tipped to be starting this year. He started the last game, played 71 minutes. So again, monitor him. If will he continue to start? Will he continue to play well? Couple more. Uh, Kabore for Luton, five, six, and seven has Fulham, Wolves, Everton. If they're going to do any good at all, them three teams are ones to target. They've been poor this season already, and not great at scoring. So yeah. if he gets forward, possibility of a clean sheet. Monitor him. Two others that I have to finish off. Aaron Ciso. We talked about him a lot. Possibly on the waiver for some people. If he starts next week, could be a totally different player. And Bernardo Silva is coming back from injury from City. So um, maybe he's on the waiver. He's 75% now. Will that change the likes of Grealish and all the other uh, City assets if he comes into the play? Now, I know he's a bit deeper, but just monitor when he's back and if he starts playing. And City's new signing as well. Doku, I don't know how. Again, that, does that change Alvarez? Does that change everyone else? So we just monitor all them, see who do the start, see how their team actually plays, do they score, do they keep clean sheets. On to our waivers. 
This is the big one. This is the big one. This is what we recommend short term and then long term and then maybe a punt. We said that our waivers are based on three main things. Stats, fixtures and the eye test. Our own eye test, the likes of Diaby that we watched and were just very impressed with how he played and just the intent he had and the positions he took up. They are the key factors that we look at when we decide waivers. I've seen, especially in normal, it didn't go well for a lot of people this week and a couple of content creators had stuff up saying like, it was the right decision, wrong outcome. So when when they tick all these boxes, well, that's I don't care what happens. Yeah. Honestly, because if their stats are good, their fixtures are good and they look good, what more do you want? We cannot predict the future. So these are the three main things that we're gonna recommend um, I like the eye test. The eye test is my personal espe- favorite. Yeah, yeah, especially for the draft because the draft is all about kind of going with your gut and taking a little bit of a risk here and bringing a player in that you fancy a little bit, and that's that's where the eye test comes Definitely. in. And, and the fact that other people mightn't see that they'll see stats, they'll see scores, they'll see assists. But if you see someone that's getting in good positions that just not getting the returns yet that could be a good option to bring in for other people. So, this week's waivers that we would recommend for these game weeks are Adoji, who we had on our watch list last week. Another very good performance against United. Again, we've eat our words, but seems nailed down left back. I know Perisic is... Um, Adoji per- looks very good as well. He does. He's, get, he's getting forward as well. He's getting forward. So we're going to go out on a limb and say another Spurs defender this week. They have three fantastic fixtures in a row. You wouldn't normally say that either. No. For Spurs defenders. Yeah. The three fantastic fixtures in a row. Van de Ven, we had on our watch list last week. He also is a possible waiver. So it's kind of like our one last week with Villa. If Spurs keep a clean sheet, we have two options. So you have two options into the Spurs defence that might be on the waiver. Adoji. Van and you you notice Romero isn't on it because he is notorious for yellow cards. Notorious, absolutely yeah. notorious, and picked up by a lot of people as well. Mm. Paro is our last Spurs defender. Now it's ironic that we're saying Paro this week and Emerson Royal last week, but we gave our reasons at the start. Paro looked very good. As I said, I'll be personally putting him down. I think that he could be a very good defender going forward if he starts all the time. He could be a, one that I keep for the season. Rodri has Sheffield and another green fixture, I can't even remember, coming up. And again, he's just a pick and stick. He plays for City nearly every day. And he gets in some advanced positions for a CDM. Very rarely picks up a yellow card because they're in possession so much, but still liable in that position. Um, One of Liverpool's best players last week was Savage he was savage. He was very good. He was their best player. I know he played, a, a, they were like a 4 3 3, and he played like deep. Uh, sorry, he played the right midfielder. Um, he, had a couple, he had a couple of chances, though. He did. He got the penalty. Um, he could even return even more. I think he's going to be a very good player for Liverpool in the future. Um, the only question I'd have is where he's going to be playing on the pitch. But I think mm. if, if Liverpool play well, he'll be getting in them positions. And he's fairly nailed. There's a couple of question marks over. A lot of their uh, midfielders. Oh, he's, I think he's a nailed midfielder, but I, I always eat my words when I say that. <laughs> and he's going to have some high trade value. If he gets a, an assist or a goal or two, Liverpool fans are going to cream, cream themselves. themselves yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another one we have is Bailey because Villa played so well. They're playing Burnley and Coutinho got injured. 
so he could be a very good pickup and he looked lively i wanted to watch him in depth because i know he's been kind of tipped before especially the start of last season and everyone's kind of he was a meme i suppose yeah and he just looked well what is he he was 5.5 last year wasn't he? he was 5 million he's one cheap one that everyone had and just didn't do anything so yeah we have some negative connotations around bailey but yeah he played well mm. as hickey saw he was going trading rashford <laughs> <laughs> Or, he might see more than not. Yeah, than, maybe than we were totally wrong. Yeah, we 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 said at the start of the year that about a Brentford uh, guy who picked five Brentford players, and this week he smashed it. Yeah. Um, our last two are John McGinn. Again, this could be starry-eyed because he just banged, but they're playing Villa. He's n- nailed. I'm confident enough in saying nailed. We also said that there's a possibility in some ridiculous world that he takes a penalty. But we've seen loads of yeah. people rotate with penalties this week, so that's a possibility. I'd like to have John McGinn. If John as a little McGinn steps up to hit a penalty, like that is mental, mental stuff with all the players on the pitch. And our last one is Semenyo. The reason we have him down here, Bournemouth striker, is because well, he's a striker and he looks very good when he came on. Pass the eye test for us. Pass the eye test big time. If you have like a uh, Mubama, Mubama, yeah, or a non-playing striker, it's a bit of a no-brainer to bring in someone who's playing and looks well. So if Would you, are, you get Semenyo in for Darwin Nunes, Jesus Christ, you put me in the cash here, man. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I'd like to think that at some point Darwin Nunes will get in the team and bang and get rid of him for someone else. Mm-hmm. But I like my playing strikers. Uh, there's nothing worse than him especially with a striker that might come on and might not Semenyo did come on but you're not expecting a crazy amount from your third choice striker you want to see and monitor him does he play 60 minutes is he going to play up with Salanke mm-hmm. and if so then you can start him the problem with the Darwin New Year, Nunez what you're going to bench Darwin yeah, I or suppose you, you'd hold off another couple of weeks before you do anything like that Yeah, but I, I'd easily bench Semen, Semenyo but I wouldn't bench Darwin. I'd rather not have Darwin and have the headache and bench Semenyo. Yeah. And if he does returns, sure, what about? And if then I could trade him or then play him the next week. So, mm. so I know that sounds ridiculous, trade ridiculous, but that's the headache you have to decide. Do you actually take a player that you might get one point or a player that's definitely playing that you don't mind keeping on the bench? And if he returns, what about you can trade him or play him next week? Couple of waivers for the future. So we always say that waivers, you can do them a week early so that you can have that player for the next week because the next week, everyone's going to be looking at them. West Ham have a very difficult fixture this week, but in two game weeks' time, so game week four, they are playing Luton. And again, we always target these teams, but if they don't keep a clean sheet against Luton, maybe they're better than we think, or West Ham aren't that good. Because we haven't seen much of Luton yet. They've only played one game. Yep, so one, literally one game. So they could be just shackles off and do whatever. And, but if you wanted to target these players for that game and you have space on your bench, and this is the key point, space on your bench. I'm not saying get Emerson, Soufal or Zuma in, who are the three that I'm putting down, for this game week because I wouldn't like to get them in and have to start them. But if you had a space in your bench that you already look at your team and say, I'm happy with that, that you can get an Emerson or Soufal or Azuma in in preparation for next week, that's what a good waiver is. Getting one week one week in advance and planning for their good fixtures before other people are, are scrambling for them. Then next week, you don't have to put Emerson, Soufal or Azuma down as like your first choice pick playing Luton. 
you got them already. Mm. If you have that space on your bench and if you think that they're going to return against Luton, those are some good picks. I actually think West Ham were looking at a left back, weren't they? So maybe Emerson might be a, a question mark. Mm. Monitor that. I remember reading somewhere that West Ham are looking at the left back. Um, Sam, yeah, West Ham look pretty decent. I kind of wrote them off at the start of the season, but James James Ward-Prowse changes everything. Jimmy Ward-Prowse to God. <laughs> and then one punt, random punt, and this is based off an injury. Um, Chuka, what's his name? Chuka Minna or Chuka something? Chuka Something like that. The number 10 for Chelsea. Um, who 4.5 midfielder in normal yeah he got injured so he's going to be out this week is it time for Mudrick Mudrick has struggled big time at Chelsea there was talks of will he go on a loan or what will happen is this the week that Mudrick actually gets in and does well and just get on a run I know a lot of people are trying to get rid of him in my league this week but maybe maybe monitor him if someone wants to give him away for nothing and you find or think that Mudrick might get in and if there's a if there's a time to risk Mudrick, I think it's this week. Uh, and maybe you want to keep him on your bench. Mm. I know it's Luton. It's hard to put him on your bench against Luton. But then, if he returns against Luton, he's a different player in terms of trade value. So maybe monitor slash punt Mudrick. If you're a big Chelsea fan or a big Mudrick fan, you might want to think that this is his week that he might get minutes and even 30 minutes of a good game and might do a nice cameo that could put him in position for a start in a couple of weeks. Those are the players for short-term, long-term, and then a punt that we'd recommend this week. Last week, we got more right than wrong. So hopefully we're going to do the same and consistently increase our percentage that we get right. Now, as we said, these are recommendations based on three things. If you have all the factors right and it doesn't go your way, well, it's the right idea, the wrong outcome. So hopefully all these players return you get W's in your league and you look at your team next week and you're looking forward to the next couple of weeks in the draft. As usual, we're going to finish the podcast with a question, but before we go into it, the, we'll recap over last week's question. So the question was, which player did Alec McLeish look to sign for Rangers based off a uh, football manager? So the answer to that was Lionel Messi. So... Yeah, Rangers were a bit unlucky not to not to scout Messi in the early days. Maybe they could have been something else. But um, yeah, congratulations to anyone that got that. This week's question then is: In English football, what is Saint Totteringham's Day? So I'll read it again for you. In English football, what is Saint Totteringham's Day? So a bit of a hint on this one. This has happened in the past, this day. Hopefully, it won't happen ever again. But It happened last year. And probably a few seasons. And it probably will happen for the next couple of seasons (laughs) as well. (laughs) What is it? Totteringham Day. What does that represent? So That's our podcast for this week. Hopefully, all your waivers work out. Big W's. Best of luck. FPL Draft You Out.